0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله ربنا الْعَالَمِينَ والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع ذُنُوبِنَا وطبيب نفوسنا أبو القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين as-salamu Alaikum, dear brothers and sisters. I hope everyone is doing well, inshallah. And welcome to another episode of our Tafsir of Dua Kumil podcast. In the last episode, we ended with this line, which Ali ibn Abi Talib was saying, Fa ala ibadika Ya Allah, you have made it such, you have made this deal, you have made this equation that as long as your servants worship you, and you have told them to pray to you and to supplicate to you or call upon you. And the response from you was that you would guarantee that you would respond to their du'as. This is where we ended. And we said that we went through that beautiful hadith of Imam al where the companion of his, known as al bazantri he had doubts. He was praying for something and there was no response. And he came to Imam Rida. he said, you know what, I'm having doubts about this whole thing. Like I keep praying and nothing happens. He said, the Imam told him, if I were to give you my word about something, would you take it? He said, of course. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you his word. That when you pray to him, he will respond to your du'a. So what else is it that you want? If you take my word, why, isn't, why wouldn't you take the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So these are the lines that we went through and we talked about du'a quite a bit in the previous um, episode. I don't mean to go over it again as uh, we want to move on inshallah with the du'a. But when Ali ibn Abi Talib establishes this uh, criteria, when he establishes this principle that you are the one who's guaranteed for one to raise his hand and pray to him and therefore the prayer will be heard by you... Therefore fa which means therefore fa Therefore I am raising my hands towards you or I am turning my face towards you My face is turning towards you. If you're the one who's going to take care of my needs, then I might as well pray to you. I'm not going to go pray to someone else who doesn't have that power. and towards you I raise my hands. And by your might, you know, respond to my du'a. وَبَلِّغْنِي And help me attain my desire. وَلَا تَقْطَعْ مِن رَجَائِ Don't cut me off from your mercy. وَكْفِنِي شَرَّ وَالْإِنسِ مِنْ And protect me from the threat, the danger of the jinn and the ins. The jinn and the ins and the different forms that they might threaten me. Ya Allah protect me. Why? Because you are سَرِيْعَ Rida. You are سَرِيْعَ Rida. You are the one who is quickly pleased. And this is one of the most merciful attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you will come across. That He is the one who if you did 20 years of sins and you turned away from Him and you betrayed Him over and over again and I speak of myself and you said no to Him but then after this 20 years, in 20 seconds you changed your mind, all of a sudden you're beloved in his eyes. How does that work? If you think about that, in any other relationship that you have in this world, that does not work. That's not how any other relationship in this world works, right? In any other relationship, if you were disobeying somebody, if you were turning away from somebody for 20 years... It's not going to take you, you know, 10-20 uh, seconds. It's going to take you a couple years to gain their trust again, right? At the very least. At the very least, it's going to take you a couple months for them to see what type of person you are, if they can accept your apology, they can't, what not. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I am sari' al-rida. I am the one who quickly and easily, I am satisfied, uh, satisfied and I am pleased. Meaning that if my servant has been turning away from me for years and then in a split second, he feels the regret. He feels the idea that he wants to repent. That's no problem. I will accept it from him. And I will be there for him. This is only Arhamar Rahimeen who can be like this, to this extent, right? And then you see the manifestation of this when it comes to the Prophets of Allah and the Ahlul Bayt. And you see this for example, in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, you also see it in the in the life of Yusuf a.s. When you read the story of Yusuf you find that at the time that the brothers came and went to Egypt and back and forth between Egypt and Kanaan, right? They went back and forth many times and each time they were trying to get more wheat and more wheat until the third time where they had the opportunity to actually meet Yusuf and get to know that he is Yusuf, right? In that meeting, what happens? You find that Yusuf, the trouble that his brothers had created for him, for 20 or 30 years, we don't know because we don't know the numbers uh, when it comes to the story of Yusuf alayhi salam But let's just say 20 years. The 20 years that have passed by, you find in 10-15 seconds, Yusuf alayhi salam is forgiving all of this. This is a manifestation of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Yasari Ar The one who is quickly pleased, he's quickly satisfied he's quickly okay with you again even though you were not okay with him for many many years and even though you were turning away from him for many years you do a couple of deeds here and there and all of a sudden you are beloved in his eyes again you do one tawbah what is a tawbah a tawbah is an intention a tawbah is a decision that you make how long does that take a second a split second and all of a sudden you are beloved in his eyes because the quran says inna Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who constantly do tawbah all of a sudden you're beloved in his eyes how does that work? and then you see this also in the life of the Prophet when he returned to Mecca this was an arduous journey this is a difficult journey for the Prophet when you think about it Right, when he was in Mecca for a number of years and then you know about 12 years and then he moved to Medina right? and then the Hijrah started Right? When was Mecca conquered? Mecca was conquered in the eighth year after Hijrah. That means for 20 years the people of Mecca they have been stoning the Prophet in the sense of throwing stones toward him. They have been throwing rubbish on him. They have been accusing him of of different things and labeling him. They have rejected his book, they have rejected his message. They've had their kids run in the alleys of Ta'if and throw stones at him and have his forehead bleed. They've gone to war with him. They've done anything and everything against the Prophet. And this is what makes the forgiveness of the Prophet even greater than that of Yusuf a.s. Because the Prophet, what he had to deal with with Quraysh, the people of Mecca, was far greater than what the brothers of Yusuf did with him. The brothers of Yusuf, they threw him in a well. They wanted to kill him, but they didn't do that. And that was it. Yes, it was, a, it was one move that created a lot of trouble for Yusuf But that was the one thing that they did. They were never involved in his life until they got to meet him again after 20-30 years. With the Prophet, it wasn't like that. With the Prophet, His companions were persecuted, they were tortured. The Bilal's of the world had these huge stones on their chest and so on and so forth. For 20 years, the people of Mecca and Quraysh were continuously killing and torturing and annoying the Prophet and creating problems and persecuting the, the companions of the Prophet and whatnot. And then you find that when he rode into Mecca, one of the most beautiful con- uh, you know, ways of conquering Mecca, that it was done with the least bloodshed when he conquered Mecca, and one of his companions rode through the city of Mecca and said, Yamul Malhama. Today is the day where you know, a lot of heads are going to be cut off. and today is the day where there's going to be this great war, right? And the prophet told him, "No, Yamul Today is the day of mercy this is, this is the maqam and the status of the Prophet That frankly, we as human beings may not fully understand Because for the maqam of the Prophet There is a, a level that we know of through history And that we read of And then you go to the Qur'an and the Qur'an gives you a much deeper picture of who this Prophet is. فَكَانَ قَابَ قَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدْنَى That he came so close to us that no one else had come to us. إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِمَا أَوْحَى We told him some things, the things that we told him. Right? It's clear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to share what he told this Prophet. So this, this is the maqam and the status of the Prophet. When he forgives the people of Quraysh after 20 years, that forgiveness is really, it really baffles us. It's really mind blowing because you find that when he came and he gathered Quraysh in front of the Kaaba and he asked them, he said, what do you guys say I should do with you? They said, we know we're guilty. You know, we've been attacking your family, killing your family, your companions. We were your relatives and we did all of this. Yes, many of them were cousins of the Prophet because many of them were tribes that lived within Mecca. Bani Umayyah were relatives, you know, with the Prophet. They were all part of this greater tribe of Quraysh that had a number of smaller tribes as part of it, right? He said, what do you think I should do with you? They said, well, we're guilty. But all we know is that you've always been merciful and the prophet said i will do with you the same that yusuf did with his brothers la alaykum lakum allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you on a day like this this is a manifestation of yasari'ar rida the one who you can turn away from him for from him for years and years but his forgiveness comes in a, in a couple of seconds that's all it takes so Ali ibn Abi Talib is praying here and you can see we're coming closer to the end of the Dua. This one line is one of the most beautiful lines, in my opinion, of, of Dua Kumail. Ya Sari' al Oh the one who quickly is satisfied and is quickly uh, pleased. And we have multiple Ahadith and verses of the Quran that tell us that we are also to adopt this as well in our day-to-day lives. And I will say this just you know on a personal level. Uh, you know, in terms of my personal experience with different communities that I've been to, having this as part of your skill set in a marriage is the most important thing. And this doesn't mean that if someone abuses another person and they're not acting upon their rights and all this stuff, that you just forgive in the sense that you enable them to continue doing what they're doing. No, that's not what we're referring to. No, we're talking about smaller issues that happen here and there, frustrations. One person says something, they regret it later on. This person says something that they didn't mean in the heat of the moment they said it. These things happen so often in a marriage. The one who is successful in a marriage is the one who can have this mentality. That the moment the person says, you know what, I was wrong. You say, you know what? That's, that's not a problem, let's, let's try not for it to not happen again of course you have to plan for that side of it but you know I forgive you and these are for smaller things of course if, if the life of a person is not reaching abuse and things of that nature that's not something to be tolerated, that's something that needs to be addressed so that's not what I'm referring to. Now we're talking about you know the normal arguments that a, a husband and a wife might have or even with children and parents that you know happens the friction that we will find, the one who has this mentality That the moment he sees his partner, his child, his parents are a little regretting what they were doing. The moment they come and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to say this, they quickly forgive them. They're quickly back to loving them because they know that this person loves them as well. They know that this person made a mistake. Whoever has this mentality will benefit from it highly. And yes, if there is a person who's hurting you over and over again, right? on an emotional level for example then this person, though you might forgive them it doesn't mean you allow them to do what they're doing again and again forgiving someone in Islam is different from enabling them to continue to hurt you this is one of the bigger, biggest mistakes that people make about Islam they assume Islam is a religion of the people who are naive Yes, Islam tells us to just forgive. If someone comes and steals your money and you know, ruins your reputation, All this, just forgive, act like it didn't happen. No, that's not what Islam tells us to do. Islam says if this person comes and apologizes, forgive him. But if you feel like you can't trust him, then take the steps to distance yourself from him. Take the steps to protect yourself. That's not what Islam says that you forgive in the sense that you become essentially the victim of another person and you allow them. To, to do whatever they want with you. That's not what Islam wants from us. Islam wants us to protect ourselves as well. But when it comes to smaller things, you know, arguments, different fiction, friction that we have, things that we say that we don't mean at times, this is where Sari' al helps so much. So he says this, he says, Ya Sari' al-Ridha, O the one who is easily and quickly pleased, Forgive the one who has nothing but dua. You're the one who's easily pleased. Well, here's somebody standing standing in front of you that he needs you to easily be pleased with him. He needs you to just be okay with him even though he's turned away from you for so long. He's asking for your mercy in this way. فإنك... This line is very critical. Wow. This line truly highlights what it means to apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What it means to apologize to him is that the most important factor in all of it is to understand that he has the right to punish you if he wanted to. فَإِنَّكَ فَعَالٌ لِمَا اللَّهِ I know that you can do whatever you want to do. If you didn't punish me, it's not because you couldn't. If you didn't punish me, it wasn't because you didn't have the ability to. No, you had that ability. You didn't do it because of your mercy. And I am acknowledging that. And hadith beautifully says, the moment someone thinks of his sins and he knows, Ya Allah, I am worthy of your punishment, right? And if you wanted, you could have punished me for the sins that I've committed. Before he then opens his mouth to do istighfar, the hadith says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already forgiven him. Yes, this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can do whatever you want to do. If you wanted to deal with us with your justice, well, you could have punished us. It was it was completely just for you to do that. Yes, that's why we read earlier in the dua, the the, the, the imam was saying, ala wujuhin kharrat li'adamati Will you burn those faces that have fell to sajda to, for you? And we explained over there. Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, "I'm not going to take your mercy for granted." Yes, I'm not going to act like just because you're very merciful, that doesn't mean that you didn't have the right and you weren't able to punish me. No, you can. But because I know you're merciful, I don't think you would ever do any of these things. sunan nataqat bi Would you ever take a servant of yours and place him into hellfire and while he's calling out and begging for help and asking for help, you will let him burn in the hellfire and whatnot. This is Ali ibn Abi Talib acknowledging that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala can punish whoever he wants. So going back here he said ya sari' arda, oh the one who's quickly pleased, ighfir li illa dua. Here I am, I have nothing but to ask you for you to be pleased of me, while I know fa innaka fa'alul limatasha, while I know that you can do whatever you like to do. Ya man ismuhu dawa wa dhikruhu shifa. These lines are very beautiful lines. He says, "O oh, the one whose name is a medicine, whose name is a remedy, wa shifa, and his remembrance is a solution and is a cure." Okay, what is what are these lines saying? at a superficial level, and when I say superficial level, I should probably say at a apparent at level, not to belittle this level of understanding, because it is a correct way of understanding, that yes, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a means of medicine, is a means of curing our our difficulties. And that's, that's why you will find many times, we will do tabarruk to the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will write his verses of the Qur'an, maybe uh, on the things that we use, and we keep it in our house. Or maybe if someone is sick, what do we do? We recite Surah Al-Fatiha for them, which is mentioned and re- recommended in the hadith as well. This is a basic level of understanding of what these two lines mean. At a deeper level, these two lines are saying something slightly different. What these two lines are now saying is this, "Ya man ismuhu dawa," Oh, the one whose name is a medicine and a remedy. Wadikruhu shifa, and his remembrance is a cure from my spiritual ailments, from my spiritual difficulties. But how does this actually play out? How does the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala become a you know a, a solution to my difficulties? How does the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the many names that He has, right? 99 names we mentioned for the for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there could be more even. How are these A remedy for our spiritual ailments. Let's break this down a little bit. Each and every one of the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala are representative of one of His characteristics, one of His attributes. When we say Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has the name Al Ghafur, means that He has a characteristic of being forgiving, right? When we say He is Al Raziq, that means He has a characteristic. He has an aspect of His existence that is dedicated to giving. Uh, rizq to his servants, right? We ha- when we say he is, for example, Al Qadir, it means that he has a characteristic of Qudra. When the human being reminds himself of each and every one of these characteristics, that removes one of the spiritual ailments of the human being. When the human being has bukhl, when he's stingy, yes? When he wants to hold on to his money, he doesn't want to give it to anybody. This is a spiritual ailment. This is a spiritual disease that he has. Then he remembers the name of Ar-Raziq, right? He sees that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is the one who gives rizq. This solves his spiritual ailments, right? Hopefully you're following, right? Because when he looks and he realizes that this is one of the names of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, this is what Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala does, then he doesn't hold on to his money anymore, right? Because he understands that it's Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala who gives wealth. And then if he's worried about his enemies and he's worried about what people will do, then he will remember that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is Al Qadir. He is the one who is the most powerful, and this takes care of the spiritual spiritual worry and concern that he has. Each of these names would work in this way, right? And if he is worried, for example, about the you know his terrible deeds, the, def- the difficult things that uh, the terrible things that he's done in his life. And then he remembers that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is Al-Ghafur. He is Al-Rahim. This is a solution. This is a med- a medicine and a cure, for his spiritual worries and his concerns. Each of the names of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that represent the characteristics of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Each of them, when the human being pays attention to them, one of his problems are solved. One of his needs, I should say, are fulfilled not the physical needs necessarily though that's part of it but even the spiritual needs of the human being as well so when the dua says ya man dawa wa shifa this is not just you know the name of allah right that yes when i remember him his his name it brings shifa with it yes that's very much possible but at a deeper level it means that it is a shifa for my spiritual worries and concerns and ailments and diseases Because each one of his names fulfills one of the needs that I have. When I'm lost, the issue that will solve that is Al-Hadi. The name that will solve that is Al-Hadi. That will be the solution to my spiritual ailment. Inshallah, with that, we'll bring this episode to an end. Inshallah, the next episode we'll move on to ta'atuhu ghina, and his obedience brings needlessness. Right? He makes you he makes you needless of others. What does that mean? What does it mean to obey Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and have that obedience as your wealth in the sense that you don't find yourself in need of others? We'll talk about that Inshallah in the next episode. Until then, keep us in your du'as. Wassalamu 'alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.